Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please turn to Numbers chapter 16. Number 16. Uh, it, it just uh, so you know, we're having some um, technical difficulties with our audio, so I'm going old school. So if the uh, uh, microphone is a little different, so I apologize for that. This might be long term because uh, the technical difficulties are um, can't figure it out. So uh, we're uh, going old school. So numbers. 16. Remember that as Israel, they are they begin their journey in the wilderness. Remember, it's an 11-day journey uh, that turns into a 40-year journey. And it's the time period is a heavy, heavy, heavy cost. But don't forget also that the, the, the cost of lives, because the older generation, that adult generation, they die in the wilderness. It's the younger generation that passes on through the, to the promised land. You know, never forget that as the people are learning obedience unto the Lord, they're also learning the fear of the Lord. And that's, it, it, it's, it doesn't exclude chapter 16 and not just chapter 16. We're going to continue in chapter and chapter and book and book where the Lord is not just teaching, he's teaching, of course, but then at the same time, the people have their end. They have to learn, they have to apply, they have to obey, and they also learn the fear of the Lord because remember, the Lord is reactionary. He's responsive to obedience and he's also responsive to disobedience. And here in chapter 16, we see in verse 1, says, Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, son of Reuben. Now, we look at this lineage here, and we see that they are of Levi and of Reuben, and it includes elements of the priesthood, which when we recall our studies in Exodus, Leviticus, and even the, I mean, the, the previous chapters in Numbers, we see that there's something very special with the Levitical priesthood. You know, they are vessels used by the Lord for people to be right, for people to be right with the Lord, uh, Israel. And when I say special, I don't mean special in terms of like they are, you know, like uh, to be worshipped. But nonetheless, they are vessels used of the Lord and used by the Lord for His glory. And you see, Old Testament uh, parallels to New Testament truths. Old Testament truths, New Testament truths. And what I mean in saying that is uh, uh, ministry leaders, pastors, elders, deacons, Bible teachers, youth leaders, those who are in ministry. And never forget that as we study these Old Testament passages, never forget that Brother James is the one who says, uh, let not many be teachers. Because teachers are held to a higher account. Not a higher account unto men, but a higher account unto the Lord. And never forget that. And so we see this, this picture of, of what's happening in, 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 in the camp of Israel. And you see so this group of people. In, including some of the priesthood, vessels of the Lord, and this Korah and this group of people, at the end of verse 1, took men, took men, and they rose up before Moses. You see an uprising is starting to brew. 
a mutiny, so to speak. We're going to see exactly what happens. And you know what? Understand that the people, they're learning the fear of the Lord. And for you and me today, let us be a people that learns the fear of the Lord as well. Because remember, He never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is the one in Malachi. I never change, he says. I never change. Remember, a day with him is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So we read these passages. We think that we're, you know, oh, this we're exempt from these passages because it was so, so, so far long ago in history. But never forget, because a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, think of the freshness this is unto the Lord. Yeah, just last week, they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation. So leaders, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. This is of, of honor, men of honor, men of, they have authority. Respectable people, so-called respectable people. I mean, in the eyes of the camp, it's like, sure, these are respectable people. 250, there are leaders. There are leaders. They're representatives of us. They're men of honor, men of authority. Certainly, they have validity to whatever claim they have, whatever dispute. Certainly, they have validity. But we're going to see exactly how the Lord sees things. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Now, remember in in uh, 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 chapter fourteen, when you know, in, in, when we looked at our in in chapter fourteen, there were only two people who had ears. Only two people who had ears. Uh, to, just to refresh your memory, you know, we see in chapter fourteen, chapter thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen were very difficult to study. Very difficult because we see how the Lord deals with fear, and not just fear, but at the same time, remember who He's speaking with, and who has ears to hear what the Lord is saying. And when we look at chapter fourteen, remember, like all the, there's all this kerfuffle in the camp. And Moses spoke to the Lord, and the Lord heard. Or, or uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, and Moses heard. The Lord spoke to Aaron, and Aaron heard. And these same two people in chapter 16. Now, I say 13, 14, and 15 were difficult to study, but, you know, we can add 16. We can keep adding more and more. Very difficult to study because of what's happening here. And we're going to study that today. In verse 3, they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. See, it's, you kind of see a picture of like the, the, these uh, uh, Korah in his leading of this rebellion, kind of like a, like a, a little bit of uh, uh, quasi-Calvinism happening here. Oh, we're of the elect, you know, we're holy. We're holy. All the congregation is holy, every one of them. Moses, Aaron, you take too much upon yourselves. All the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above them as above the assembly of the Lord? Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Very interesting because this is the claim of the men. 
This is the claim of the men of renown. You know, the, the leadership. Special people. Men of renown, leaders. Men of honor, men of authority. And they're speaking to Moses and Aaron. You guys take too much upon yourselves. Why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? We're all holy. You know, God is with us. We're the elect. That's their claim. Now, if we were in the congregation, what, what would we have to dispute? If, if we were in the camp of Israel, of the tribe of Dan, and we're listening, we're kind of hearing what's going on. There's this kerfuffle going on. I wonder what's happening. Oh, uh, you, you go, go get a little bit closer. Stand a little bit closer. What's happening? Oh, they, these leaders, they're special people. These leaders, they have this beef with Moses and Aaron. Surely they have validity to their claim because they're the leaders. Men of renown, men of respect, men of honor, men of authority. Now, we see disobedience is what we see. This claim that they have, these men of renown, this claim that they have seemingly valid issues, but they have absolutely zero validity. None whatsoever. With carnal eyes, sure, you know, bring up your argument. What's your beef with Moses? What's your beef with Aaron? Sure. But you put on, I mean, take off your spiritual or your, your carnal eyes and you put in your spiritual eyes. Especially with this backdrop of what we know with Moses and Aaron and how the Lord is using them. I mean, even Aaron himself with his sister, they kind of said something similar. Oh, Moses, the Lord speaks to us too. It's not just you, Moses, Moses uh, 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 the Lord speaks to us too. And the Lord was like, yeah, I, 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 I speak to you, but Moses is like my friend. And he is my vessel. I'm using him. And remember the sister, Miriam? She was she, leprosy. She got leprosy. Uncleanness. And they learned their lesson. You'd think that the camp would learn their lesson too. They, they would learn the fear of the Lord, but they haven't learned that yet. The claims of the carnal, the claims of the wicked, they might seem accurate. But really, it's their own debasement. I'll explain this. Like, Say, for example, you and me were standing at ground level. And we're in a construction site where there's a big hole in the ground, a huge hole in the ground. We're at this big construction site and they're building like a skyscraper in Metropolis. And you and I were right there at that ground level, the construction crews walking around, all these things. And they have one of those uh, like, you know, the, the makeshift elevators where they bring, you know, equipment, you know, up and down. And so here we are at ground level. And say, for example, a guy walks by us and says, you guys, you think you're so high and mighty. And we're just looking at each other like, what? What is he talking about? Like, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. The guy, you guys think you're so high and mighty. And as he's speaking, he gets into the elevator. 
Remember, there's this big hole in the ground. They're, they're, they're laying the, the concrete down for the foundation of a big skyscraper. He hits a button. You guys think you're so special? He hits the button to go down because he's going to work at the basement. And he starts, yeah, he gets further and further away from us. We're, we're, you and me, we're at ground level. And all of a sudden, he's going down. And he's yelling because we're getting further apart. You guys, you think you're so special. You exalt yourself. You think you're above me. You think you're above me. And he has to yell even further because he's going deeper and deeper and deeper down into the basement. Finally, he gets to the bottom and he has to get a megaphone so he can hear him. He hits the bottom. He gets out. He's like, we're at ground level. He's the one who's at the basement now and he has to get a megaphone because we can't hear him. And he starts yelling at us, you guys, you think you're so special. You think you're high and mighty. You think you, you exalt yourself above me. You exalt yourself above us. And you and me, we're just looking at each other like, what? what? What's this guy talking about? You and me, we've been on ground level. It's him who has gone down. It's him who has gone down into a lower level. And he, he, didn't, he didn't hit the stop button and, you know, go back up. He just kept going down and down and down and down. And now he's at basement level. And that's what I mean in saying that. Sometimes carnal people, wicked people, they will make these claims. You think you're special? You think you're so high and mighty? You think you're above us? You think you're above me? When really what's happening is their own debasement. By their own choices they make, they're getting further and further and deeper and deeper down into the pit of their own making, of their own doing. And without repentance, they go deeper and deeper. It's their own debasement. And they're yelling at you. You think you're above us? You're, you, you think you're special? You're such a legalist? And you're just like wondering, what in the world? Like, I'm, just a, I'm at ground level here. I'm just obeying the Lord. I'm just being obedient to the Lord. You want to do your crack? No, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. You want to go to the strip clubs? No, I'm being obedient to the Lord. You want to cheat on your taxes? I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. You do you, you know, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. And you, we're at ground level. You, me, we're at ground level, just like that elevator. And we're just like, what in the world's happening here? And these people will cry out to you, you think you're above us? No. It's their own debasement by their own choices. That's what's happening here in the camp of Israel. Why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord when it's their own, not just disobedience, but now it's like, you see, pride. Their own pride. So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. I love him. I'm so in love with Moses. I am so, so, so in love with Moses. Moses hears it and he falls on his face. What a good example. What a beautiful example for all of us. You, me, everybody, all who believe. What a beautiful, beautiful example. Because you know what? People are going to make fun of you. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. People are going to say the exact thing. You think you're special? It's their own debasement. They don't have a, a clear view of what's happening because of their own choices. And they're getting deeper and deeper down into the pit of their own doing. And they're going to yell, yell at you, rail against you. And when you hear these things, pray. Just like Moses. So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face and he prays. He seeks the face of the Lord. 
Now you say, wait a second, what do you mean? He said, you, you, you say he seeks the face of the Lord, but it doesn't say that here between verse 4 and verse 5. But look what he says in verse 5. And he spoke, this is Moses now, and he spoke, Moses spoke to Korah. So Moses spoke to Korah. Now, for you, and like what's captured here in verse between verse 4 and 5, it's unknown what God said to Moses. We, we know that Moses heard in verse 4, he heard it, he falls on his face. It's unknown. That interaction, that's, that intimacy that he had with the Lord, it's unknown what he spoke to the Lord and what the Lord spoke to him. But you see Moses now speaking in obedience to the Lord. And, you know, to give you an idea, remember in chapter 14 when Moses fell on his face before the Lord? And then it, it was where, you know, in, remember in chapter 14 it, where, you know, we read a little bit and then we went to the end, you know, and, and then we were in the end. And I said, okay, now let's go back to see what the Lord said to Moses. And then we went back and we see this interaction that Moses had, like, in 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 the prayer realm, in the realm of prayer, we see what's happening between Moses and the Lord, and then Aaron and the Lord, and then what was told to the people. We don't see that here in chapter sixteen, and you know what? I love that we don't see it here. I love that we don't see it here. You know why? Because. We learn these are things that we kind of we, we we know we understand. Okay, Moses falls on his face before the Lord. He's praying. He's on his face. He's praying. He's seeking the Lord. All this drama is happening. These people, the you know the the it's not just the Joe Schmuckatellis. This isn't like you know the uh, Gentile coming in and saying you guys think you're special. This isn't a Canaanite coming in and saying, you guys think you're special. Who is this guy? Who's this Moses, your leader? He, he thinks he's special. This is, this is inside the camp. Men of renown. Men of honor. Men of authority. Respectable people. Included in this group of Korah are Levites. Levites. A people that were chosen vessels to serve in tabernacle worship. And they're saying, we're all holy, Moses. Moses, Aaron, we're all holy. Why do you, you, you take too much upon yourself? And you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord. And this is what Moses says to him in verse 5. And he spoke to Korah and all his company saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy. Very interesting because remember their, their claim in verse 3. Among other things, but one of them was, we're all holy. All the congregation is holy, every one of them. That was one of their claims in verse 3. We're all holy, Moses. We're all holy, Aaron. And in verse 5, Moses says, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy. Very interesting what these men of renown regard as holy and then what the Lord regards as holy. What a hardcore message for us today. Because men, people, might say they're holy, but you have to look at the fruit. Just as the Lord tells us, look at the fruit. Oh yeah, I'm holy, I'm holy. By the way, you know, I'm going to get high tonight. The, 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 finest, the finest marijuana from Chiapas, Mexico, from the hills of Chiapas, Mexico. 
It's the, the, the best crack, the best meth, the best weed. Oh, yeah, I'm holy. I'm holy. In fact, I'm going to give a sermon on Sunday. Oh, yeah, I'm holy. I'm holy. My friend called me. He wants to go to the strip club. I'm going to go with him. You have to look at the fruit. People can say they're holy, but you have to look at the fruit. That's what our Lord tells us. Look at what happens here. He's the, the Lord will show who is His and who is holy and will cause, cause Him to come near Him. Now, you know, you, you might say, well, you see, God is making this happen. God is making this happen. But you know what you see also? Obedience. I mean, I'll put a, a, a work example. Say you have a boss at work. Yeah, at work. You have a boss and your boss says, I want you to do this. Whatever it is. I don't know what you do. You might be uh, working chemicals. You might work with, you know, computers. You might do work in shipping, you know, whatever. What? Say your boss says, I want you to do X, Y, Z. And you know what you do? X, Y, Z. You see? Why, why is obedience an easier concept to understand and grasp when we think about work or when we think about uh, school? When the, the, the teacher says, do this, you do it. But when it comes to our faith in the Lord, when it comes to our walk with the Lord and our obedience to Him, why is it difficult to fathom obedience? Why is it difficult to practice obedience? Look what happens here at the end of verse 5. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near him. And then he says this in, in, uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 6. Do this. Take sensors. Sensors are like the fire pans. If you have a fireplace, you know, you might have like a little like tools on the side. I never knew when I was a kid. I never knew what those tools. My parents all said, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Because they knew I'd pick it up and use it as a sword. You know, the little poker thing. And then the little, the one with the pan, you know, I'd pick it up and start beating people, beating my brothers with it. It's because I was just a little kid. So I, my dad always told me, don't touch these things. Don't touch these things. One day I did touch them and, you know, we got hurt. But, you know, don't touch these things. Don't touch these things. So I grew up, you know, even now I think about it and I kind of get it like a smile on my face because I remember my dad told me, don't touch those things, you know. But that's what it is. And one of those tools next to you might have a fireplace, you know, and right next to the fireplace, you have the, like a little stand with the little thing. You have the little poker deal. And then you have this, a flat one where you can scoop up ashes. And, and that's what this is like. There's the sensor. It's, it's a fire pan where you can, you know, pick up hot things and, you know, move ashes around, move uh, 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 embers around. And this, this is what the Lord has told Moses to tell the people. Take sensors in verse 6. Korah and all your company. Remember, this is Moses speaking to the men of renown, men of renown, the, the, the uh, 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 men of honor and authority. From the carnally speaking, respectable people, respectable men, carnally speaking. Spiritually speaking, we're going to see they're not so respectable. They're not so respectable. You know, when, when the, Moses says at the end of verse 5 that that one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near him. You know, today, understand that God will show who is his. 
Soon. Soon. God will show exactly who is His. When we look at these passages, we're about to see judgment happen in chapter 16. And when we look at these passages of judgment, understand too that judgment is coming. Here, in the church age, judgment is coming. We've become calloused to the fact that judgment is coming. We've become a little too, not a little, a lot of it complacent. Complacent in the coming judgment. And Christians have fallen asleep. Have fallen asleep. And because they've fallen asleep, look at what's happening. Look at, you know, the the war rages around us. There's the enemy that's coming into the camp. I mean, look at our study in, in 1 Corinthians on Sunday and correlate that with the church today. You see a lot of correlation in terms of baby Christians. But then what you also don't see is where are the pastors? Where are the elders? To say, hey, cut this out. This isn't good. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, encourage the church, comfort the church, but then at the same time also correct the church. Where are the pastors? Where are the elders? Asleep. But these things are prophesied to happen. The days of apostasy, it's prophesied to happen. But then also understand that there are those in the household of Chloe. Be of great encouragement. Because those in the household of Chloe, like a remnant within the church. So this is what Moses says. Take censers, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. So included in that group of, remember verse 1? Included in this cohort are Levites. Levites. And they tell Moses in verse 3, you take too much upon yourself. They tell it to Moses and Aaron. You guys, you, you, Moses, Aaron, you take too much upon yourself. And in verse 7, Moses puts it back on, on them. You take t- too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. So included in this cohort of, of men of renown are the Levites. He's calling out the Levites. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. The priesthood, you see, where they think Moses, what what they're saying, because of their own debasement, their their perspective is out of whack. Just like the example I gave of the construction worker going down in the basement, railing against us. He has to get a bullhorn railing against us. But you, we're just at ground level. We're, we're you know. You and me, we're like, what in the world is he talking about? We haven't done anything. We're just standing here. And he's going down, 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 deeper and deeper, railing at us. You exalt yourself. No, you debase yourself. And that's what's happening here with this cohort led by Korah. Their debasement. They don't even realize it. And Moses calls out the Levites. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Now, they say Moses exalted himself. They say Aaron exalted himself. But where do you see Moses seeking leadership? If you remember the burning bush, 
Moses was, you see his reluctance unto the Lord. I mean, we, we, you, you read that passage at the burning bush and, and, and it's, it's kind of like, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. The, what's happening in that interaction But it's also kind of sad because you see the reluctance of Moses. But I also love that it's, I mean, it's sad because you see his reluctance, but it's also beautiful because you don't see him gunning for position. You don't see him saying, wow, I'm the leader. I'm going to be the, the Lord has called me. I'm going to do this. And, you know, I'm the, the big shot. I'm Mr. Big Shot. You don't see that happen. Remember, he's humble. There's nobody in the world as humble as Moses. That's what is written. It says in <clears throat> in chapter 12, verse 13 of Numbers, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. So humility. And when the Lord called Moses, Moses was the, the reluctance of Moses was stark. So much so that the Lord says, I'm going to give you an, a helper, Aaron. I'm going to give you Aaron. And where do you see Moses seeking leadership also? Because in chapter 11, do you remember our study in chapter 11? Turn there really quick. In chapter 11, verse 11, So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not, and, and why have I not found favor in your sight? That you have laid this burden of these people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom? As a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers, where am I supposed to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone, because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. You see? Whoa. Moses seeking death. If you treat me like this, please kill Like, what? You've laid the burden of all these, all these people on me. Why have I not found favor in your sight? That's what he says to the Lord. That's his prayer to the Lord. He says, if you're going to do this, Lord, kill me. Kill me. Now, in this prayer to the Lord, where do you see Moses gunning for position? Where do you see Moses say, oh, I'm Mr. Big Shot. I'm the leader. You don't see it at all. You don't see it at all. And Moses, when, the, when these, this cohort of men of renown, these, this cohort of respectable people, they come before him and Aaron. And they tell him, you take too much upon yourselves. You exalt yourself above us. We're all holy. Moses turns it back on them. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. In verse 8, going back to chapter 16. In verse 8, then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi calling out the priesthood, but notice, he, he turns to Korah. I think that's so powerful because the source, the source of this corruption, Korah. I mean, say for example, somebody you love, somebody you love, a close friend, family, relative, doesn't matter. But somebody you love deeply. And then all of a sudden, they get corrupted by person X. And one day, 
You're, you, you love this person, your best friend. You love this person so much. Two peas in a pod. And then person X comes on the scene, takes that pod, takes your friend that you love so much and corrupts that person, corrupts your friend. And you might say to your friend, you take too much upon yourself, you, you, you son of Levi. You know, you take too much upon yourself. But then you direct a portion of that to person X because they're responsible for the corruption. They're the ones that seduced your friend. That's the source. Moses said to Korah, Hear me now, you son of, sons of Levi, to the priesthood. <clears throat> In verse 9, is it a small thing? Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord? Do you remember our study in Leviticus? Aboda, Aboda, Mishkan. Do you remember? Aboda, Aboda, Mishkan, a bondservant in the shepherd's house. It's a very special calling what the Levites were tasked to do by the Lord and for the Lord. And in so doing, in being by the Lord and for the Lord, in so doing, also for the people, because it was for the people, the camp of Israel, to be right with God. Atonement for the people. And Moses is calling them out. Is it a small thing? Is it a small thing to you? That's what he's asking them. It's not a small thing. They don't see that. What a hardcore message. A hardcore message because you know what happens sometimes in our walk with the Lord? It happens sometimes and it can happen with us. We see it happen with people. It can happen with us. Certainly it can happen with us. And it did happen with me 25 years ago. Complacency. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm saved. I'm a Christian, so you know, I, I said the sinner's prayer, so I'm good to go. And we grow complacent. And in our complacency, we lose our war footing. And yes, I repeat, and I say it on purpose, war footing. That's what happens with complacency. We lose our war footing. You see, man, strong leg back, fight, hand-to-hand combat. That's what complacency does. We lose that war footing. That position of, not just, not just attack, but that position of defense. We used to have this saying, complacency kills. Because we lose the war footing. We lose that stance. And that's what, the, that's what Moses is saying here to the Levites. You guys think it's a small thing? Has it become no big deal to you? Have you grown complacent to where now it's just going through the motions? Hardcore message, not just for the church, but all you know, inside the church, also for pastors, for elders, for Bible teachers, for youth leaders, for ministry leaders. I mean, look at the pastors and elders of Corinth that grew complacent. You think, oh yeah, that happened in 10 years, that happened in 20 years. No, three years, less than three years. Those in the household of Chloe. Now, I don't say that to shame the household of Chloe. I say that because, I mean, they're so beautiful. The household of Chloe, 
I'm in love with all those believers there. I can't wait to meet them. Because they were the stronghold. They were the ones that didn't grow complacent. They were the ones that had their war footing when the pastors and elders didn't. The work of the Lord became a small thing to them. Those elders and pastors. No big deal. Oh yeah, God is love. Go ahead. You want to have sex with your dad's wife? Go ahead. God is love. You see, you want you want to have this division? You want to say Paul, Cephas, Apollos, you go ahead. God is love. No war footing. Oh, let me just love you and God will fix the rest. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to love on you and let God fix the rest. And God did fix the rest. You know how? He used Paul, a vessel. He used those in the household of Chloe. He used Timothy. Those with the war footing. That's who the Lord used. Those who didn't regard ministry as a small thing. Those who had placed high regard in Aboda Aboda Mishkan. Now, if you're wondering what, what in the world he's he's speaking Hebrew now? What is this Aboda Aboda Mishkan? Well, listen to our study in Leviticus. Which book? All of it. Is it a small thing? It's not a small thing. Because remember, the Lord said in, in Exodus 33, never forget, the Lord says, okay, you guys go to the land of milk and honey. That's what he told Moses. In the, Moses, you guys, you guys go to the land of milk and honey because I'm not going to be with you because you are stiff-necked people. And if I go with you, I'm going to kill you all. If I go with you, I'm going to kill you. And then all of a sudden, Moses interceded for the people and then the Lord says, okay, I'm going to go with you. You get to Exodus, the next chapter, 34, and the, and the Lord gives the, 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 the tablets again. Remember the Ten Commandments were given three times. Orally, and then if, the second time was with the, the two tablets, but those two tablets were destroyed at the golden calf. And then the next two tablets were given the third time with blood, with sacrifice. Never forget that, Sacrifice. And the ones who were used of the Lord to for the sacrifice, the Levites, the Levitical priesthood, and the Kohanim. That's the lineage of the high priest. And Moses is calling him out, point blank, verse 9. Is it a small thing that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself? I mean... Not alone, to bring you near to himself, that's a big deal. To do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them. And he's calling them out. Is it a small thing? No, they grew complacent. And complacency kills. Never forget that. Bind that in your heart. Complacency kills. How does complacency kill? You lose your war footing. You get too comfortable. You get nice and cozy, nice and warm. You see, the people, they need to be right. Israel, they need to be right with the Lord. There's still sin in the camp. I mean, we're talking about this sin that we're going to address, but 
there's still a carnal nature in the people in the entirety of the camp of of Israel, and there is a purpose for the Levites. There is a purpose purpose for the Kohanim. It's not a small thing. The Lord desires them to be right with Him. Why? So that He can be with them, so that He can commune with them, so that He can sup with them. Remember, the Lord says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock, and if you hear me, I will come in and sup with you. It's such a beautiful, beautiful passage, the intimacy that the Lord desires. But it's a two-edged sword. It's beautiful on one side, but it's also painful. You know why it's painful? Why in the world is the Lord on the outside of the church? You know, I stand at the door and I knock. He says that to the church. Why is the Lord on the outside of the church when he should be right smack dab in the middle of the church, the very center of the church, the very heart of the church? You see? In verse 10, and that he has brought and he has brought and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? So he's speaking to the priesthood, and so you read this, he's like, are you seeking the priesthood also? Well, this is kehuna in the Hebrew. This is kehuna, which is 95% of the time used as reference of the Kohanim in the Old Testament. 95% of the time it's used as reference to the Kohanim, which is the lineage of the high priest. You start to see what's happening here. Pride. Pride has come into the camp. Pride has come into the hearts. Not to exclude the Levites. You see? Pride. Wow, what a hardcore message for us today. Pride that can enter into anybody's hearts. Yours or mine. Yours and mine. But we're in the same boat. Remember, it's the meek that shall inherit the earth. To keep your heart soft before the Lord. Soft, soft, soft before the Lord. Because when your heart becomes hard, you know what happens? It becomes difficult to shape, difficult to mold. I mean, take a piece of clay. And you know, it's fresh clay. It's nice and moldable, all these things. But then leave it out. Instead of wrapping it up and keeping it like an airtight container or having a seal on it. You know, and the next day, if you have an airtight seal on it, everything you can still mold it the next day. You can still mold it a week later. You know, depending on how you treat it, you can mold it a year later. Uh, maybe that's pushing it. Maybe seven months later. Well, actually, depending on how you treat it, maybe a year later. But if you take a piece of clay and you leave it just out, you, the next day, it's going to be very difficult to mold it. A week later, next to impossible to mold it. A year later, impossible to mold it. You see? That's the danger of a hard heart. You and me, we're, we are the ones who yield to the Lord, not the other way around. We yield to Him, not the other way around. Pride. The Lord called them out. Are you seeking the priest? Are you seeking the kehuna also? You guys are Levites. Do you want to be kohanim? Are you, is that what you're seeking? Whoa. He's calling. And you see pastors today gunning for position. 
Oh, I was hired on as the co-pastor, but you know they play like the uh, corporate America game, the the corporate game where it's like you know they're oh, they, they badmouth the pastor, and so because they, they want to be the head pastor, you know, or an elder, you know, a, a deacon becomes an elder, and then all of a sudden from the elder they want to be the head pastor because I want to call the shots, I want to be Mister Big Shot. Carnality. That's the heart of Korah. You see. In verse 11, therefore, you and and all your company are gathered together. Now you read this and it's like, wow, their, their unity, they're gathered together, a united assembly. Remember, the respectable man, the, the, uh, in, in verse 2, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. Very special, you know, men of honor, men of authority. And in verse 11, therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. Against the Lord. So in the entire camp of Israel, which had hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands, you have these men of renown, 250. You have these men of renown. Well, surely these are respectable men. They have validity to their claim. And one guy is speaking. Aaron's with them, but Moses is speaking. You guys are gathered. Gathered together against the Lord. And the whole time, remember verse 3, their claim, these men of renown, these respectable men, was we're all holy. We're of the elect. We're good to go. Continuing in verse 11. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? (laughs) It's so beautiful to see these passages come together because you see a picture of what's happening in the camp of Israel and we can't reserve it to, oh, this is just Israel. No, what happens in the camp of the church today? What happens in your heart and my heart today? In your mind, in my mind today? Pride? Let us learn humility. False teaching? Let us learn truth and yield to the word of the Lord. I am fully aware that, you know, I only know a small fraction of people that listen, but, you know, it's like all kinds of people come and they hear that they might be accustomed to false teacher this, false teacher that, claims that were acceptable. But the word of God is our final authority. I don't say these things to hurt your feelings. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm the first to admit, when we read the Bible, your feelings will be hurt. I mean, when when I first read the Bible, my feelings were definitely hurt. This is like, you know, 25 years ago. My feelings were definitely hurt. And even still to this day, my little feelers are still hurt. Because that's the Lord. We yield to Him and the Holy Spirit does a work inside of us. It's beautiful. It's it's immensely beautiful because we see it's righteousness as we learn righteousness and not just learn it, apply. Not being hearers of the word only, but also doers. People are going to rail against you. People are going to say, oh, you're such a legalist. And just like at the elevator, at the, at the construction site, you and me, here we are, we're standing here. 
And I say you and me because, you know, a lot of times, I, you know, it's just you and me speaking on a park bench. A lot of intimacy because you have a choice to make. You know, I, I, your family, relatives, friends, I love them. But this is you and me. People are going to rail against you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to call you stupid. They're going to call you a legalist. They're going Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? We're all holy. We're, we're of the elect. You see? And the whole time, like, what? What is he talking about? What is she talking about? What are they talking about? I'm just being obedient to the Lord. The Word of God says this, and so I do it. The Word of God says don't do this, I don't do it. I'm, I'm just obeying the Lord in your, in your heart of hearts. You, you don't want to exalt yourself. In your heart of hearts, you're just, all you're, do, you're just obeying the Lord. I mean, it's kind of easy, you know. It's, you know Newsflash, it's kind of easy. Because you read the Bible, and you obey, obey the Bible. The ones that don't obey the Bible, the ones that refuse to obey the Word of God, they debase themselves. And they're going down that elevator shaft, making these claims against you because of their own choice to disobey the Word of God. You haven't, you haven't gone anywhere. You're, you don't exalt yourself. They debase themselves. You see? And so Moses is saying these things to these men of renown, respectable men. And he says, you're gathered against the Lord. And what is, it, what is Aaron that you complain against him? I love this so much because it's, it's very similar to what we studied in 1 Corinthians. Very similar to what Paul says when, you know, we just plant or we just water. We're nothing. It's God who gives the increase. And don't forget, Aaron is the high priest. Aaron here is the high priest. And Moses is saying, what is Aaron that you complain against him? You see, humility. What is he? He's the high priest. It's in the Lord, real men of renown, real women of renown, biblical. They're not gallivanters, prideful gallivanters. They're full of sorrow. You know why? Because their heart is breaking for the church. Their heart is breaking for the lost. That's... Look at Moses. Look at Aaron. In the entirety of the camp. And you have this cohort of people led by Korah and they make this claim against Moses and Aaron it's unfounded unfounded completely in verse 12 and Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram the sons of Eliab now remember verse 1 these are guys Abiram and Eliab they're with Korah they're with Korah but they said we will not come up, exclamation point. Very interesting. 
In chapter 7, they're, they're like, okay, verse 1, chapter 16, verse 1 says, With Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. So their dad was Eliab. And if you remember our study in chapter 7, their dad, Eliab, they he was one. Remember when the leaders of the camps, they gave offerings unto the Lord for the benefit of the people in their tribe? Well, Eliab was one of them. In, in chapter 7, Eliab was one of them. And it, 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 it's sad what's happening here. Because something terrible is about to happen. Something so incredibly terrible is about to happen. Judgment is coming. And Moses sent out to Dathan and Abiram the sons of Eliab. But they said in verse 12, we will not come up, exclamation point. From Moses' perspective, it's like a last attempt to save the kids of Eliab. To tell them, hey, hey, Dathan, Abiram, stay with me. Come over here, be with me. But they refused. We will not come up, exclamation point. That's what they said. And they didn't just say, they didn't just reject Moses and say, hey, Moses, you know, Korah, he's our guy. You know, we're going to be with Korah. And, you know, you want us to go with you, but no. We're going to stay right here with Korah. They didn't just say, we will not come up, exclamation point. They continued in verse 13. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? Look at what their claim is. They were in Egypt. They were in Egyptian captivity. Slaves in bondage. And they refer to that as the land flowing with milk and honey. Wow. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? This is the, the sons of Eliab. I can't imagine the heart of Eliab. It's like if you're a parent, it's like, you know, your heart breaks when your kids go wayward. And you plead with them. My son, baby girl, what are you doing? Come back to me, come back to me. And they're adamant, no, I will not come up, exclamation point. And Eliab and Dathan, they refer to Egypt as the land flowing with milk and honey. They say in verse 13, to kill us in the wilderness, that you should keep acting, that, that you should keep acting like a prince over us or a ruler over us. You see, pride. You don't see humility in the people anymore. In these particular people, you don't see humility. You don't see meekness anymore. Remember in verse 3, their claim was, we're all holy. We're all holy. We're good to go. We're of the elect. And look at their frame of reference is just completely gone. They refer to Egypt as the land of milk and honey. I have to say something really quick. Put your finger here and turn with me really quick to Hebrews 13. 
Hebrews 13. Now this only applies, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Verse 17, Hebrews 13, 17 does not apply with hirelings. It does not apply with wolves. And it does not apply to vassals of Antichrist. It only applies to faithful shepherds, pastors, and elders. Only the faithful ones. And Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. Now, if your pastor is off in crazy town, don't do verse 17. If your pastor is a wolf, you know, and having fleecing the flock, having sex with the flock, don't do verse 17. Leave those fellowships. Leave from under that covering. If your pastor teaches false doctrine, you don't want that covering. But if your pastor is a faithful shepherd, Verse 17. Do verse 17. Because the wicked wolves who call themselves pastors, they'll throw this in your face and say, Obey those who rule over me or who rule over you. Therefore, you have to do my word. You have to do my will. You have to do what I say. It's me, 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 me. You have to do what I say. So now let's go grave soaking. You see? Oh, now let's call this glitter that's falling down from the rafters. Let's call it the Holy Spirit. You have to do, I'm going to rule over, you have to be submissive. That's what the wolves say. That's what the false teachers say. But where your shepherd is faithful, where you find a faithful shepherd, verse 17 applies. They watch out for your souls. They pray for, while you're asleep, they pray for you. While you're asleep, sound asleep, nice and comfy. Nice, warm, and toasty. They're on their face before the Lord. Praying for you. Praying for your family. Praying for everyone under your roof. That's what they're doing. They're reading the Bible, studying the Bible. So that they can teach you when it comes their time to teach. That's what the faithful shepherds do. And you obey them. Be submissive to them. And I don't mean like you be submissive, like, oh, you know, you know wash their car, you know. I don't mean, so, you know, if you, that's, that, that's not a faithful shepherd. If the shepherd says, oh, yeah, wash my car. Oh, yeah, do this, you know, give me a hundred bucks, you know. None of that. The only way you will know a faithful shepherd is you have to be a Berean. You have to know the Bible. Because in these last days, the so-called shepherds, they get away with murder. Oh, submit to me, submit to me. Therefore, uh, let's go grave soaking. Submit to me, submit to me. Therefore, we're going to do this holy laughter. Submit to me, submit to me. Therefore, I'm going to teach replacement theology. You see? Unsuspecting sheep. 
because they're not Bereans. You cannot, you, you cannot, you, you must be a Berean. You must be a Berean, even more so in these last days. And so we look at this verse in, in, in verse 17, uh, in Hebrews 13. But let's go back to number 16 now. Because you see a people, these uh, Abiram and, and, and Dathan and Abiram, you see them, they don't like, they don't, they don't want to submit to the leadership of Moses. Moses has their best interests at heart. But they don't want to submit to Moses. And their frame of reference, because they've been corrupted by Korah, their frame of reference is just shot. It's completely gone. They call Egypt the land flowing with milk and honey. And then they tell Moses, you know, Moses says, it is, is it a small thing? In verse 9, is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you? And then they throw it back in his face in verse, in verse 13. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? What? They use the same words. They throw it back in his face. And they refer to Egypt as the land flowing with milk and honey. They don't want to submit to their authority. They don't want to submit to Moses. When Moses has their best interests at heart. And remember, he didn't, he didn't, you know, like fight for this position. I mean, remember, you know, in, 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 in uh, Numbers 11, when he's, Numbers 11, uh, uh, in verse 11, why have you afflicted your servant? This is Moses to the Lord. Why have you afflicted your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid this burden of all, all these people on me? You see, he doesn't vie for position. He's not, you know, pole position trying to get become the leader so that, wow, you know, I'm the shot caller. No, that's not the heart of Moses. He's the most humble. And they're not... Dathan and... I mean, these are hard words. Hard words for, for Moses to call out Dathan and Abiram. You know, hey, you know, you guys are... You know, you're, you're corrupted by Korah. You guys come over here, be with me. And then they said, we will not come up. And this is verse 12. They said, we will not come up. And you look at verse 13, how they throw it back in his face. Is it a small thing? You think like, wow, that's harsh. Like Dathan and Abiram, that is hardcore. Like why in the world are you saying this against Moses? He has your best interests at heart. But then at the same time, you see that they were corrupted. And in their state of corruption, everything, they're, they're all out of whack. Everything, their frame of reference is out of whack. You see a little Old Testament example of strong delusion. They're delusional. Egypt is the land of milk and honey. And they're not done. Look at verse 14. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put, will you, will you put out the eyes of these men? Whoa. By their very words, by their very words, the Lord has already plucked out their eyes because they cannot see. They say to Moses, you have not brought us into a land flowing in, with milk and honey. That's, the, that's what the Lord was doing. That's what the Lord desired to do. And now they're putting it on Moses. 
They say, you haven't given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. That's what the Lord wanted to do. And that's what the Lord was in the process of doing. But because of disobedience, the 11-day journey became 40 years. They say to Moses, you haven't brought us, you haven't given us. And it was God all along. They cannot see. They no longer have eyes to see. And they say, will you put out the eyes of these men? No, the Lord has already plucked out their eyes. They cannot see. Just as I said, an Old Testament example of strong delusion. We will not come up. Exclamation point. That's what they say. Wow. That's sad. This is terrible. I mean, if you're a parent and your kids, you know, they're 20, 25, 30, 40, maybe you're a grandparent. I've talked with these grandparents before, I've talked with these parents before. Godly parents, godly, beautiful, godly grandparents. And it breaks their heart when their kids and grandkids, when they depart from the Lord, it breaks their heart. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're listening and you're like, wow, you know, you hear this and you hear what the uh, 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 Dathan and Abiram are saying. And it's like, wow, you know, you could just say, I mean, it's bad that it's happening. They could just say we will not come up, period. But no, it's like they take the knife and they stick it in the heart of Moses. We will not come up, exclamation point. And you know what? Is it a small thing? And they, they go on and on and on. And every word they say is like a knife in the heart. And maybe you're a parent and you feel the exact same way at the words of your own kids who are now wayward. Pray for them. Intercede for them. Take the fight to your knees. And seek the face of the Lord. Just like in verse 4, this initial volley of this, what they said against Moses. In verse 4, when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. You do the same. Fall on your face before the Lord and seek Him. So these kids, David and Abiram, they make up their mind. We will not come up, they say, at the end of verse 14. In verse 15, then Moses was very angry. Now, this translates as he's hot with anger. He's like glowing hot. It translates in Hebrew as glowing hot with anger. He's hot. He's very angry. And said to the Lord, now let's pause here. I love this so much because you see, the intimacy that Moses has with the Lord, it is intact. Ephesians 4.26 says, it's okay to be angry. I'm paraphrasing. It's completely fine to be angry except this. Do not sin in your anger. Emotions are totally okay. Because in the Bible, you know what we see in godly people, men and women, young and old. You know what we see? We see angry people. We're seeing Moses here. He's angry, very angry. Glowing hot. But we also see happy people, joyful people, sad people, 
regretful people. We see all kinds of emotions among the righteous, all kinds of emotion, except when, in, when you're in this state of emotion, whether it be anger, whether it be sorrow, whether it be joy, whether it be whatever, let the Lord guide you. Even in your sorrow, let the Lord guide you. Even in your angst, let the Lord guide you. Even in your anger, let the Lord guide you. Give it to the Lord. People say, oh, you're too emotional. You're too emotional. You're too emotional. Sometimes it's our very emotions that keep us on our knees. You know, oh, you're too emotional. You're too emotional. Don't be so emotional. Don't be so emotional. Okay, what does that mean? You know, like for me personally, when I'm angry, you know what I do? I fall on my knees. And it's like I, I used to hate my anger. I mean, I still hate my anger. And, and like when anger turns into rage, that hasn't happened in a long time. But I still get angry. But when I get angry, I fall on my face before the Lord. I get on my knees. See, emotion, it's... Emotion is part of the human experience. You're going to be angry. You're going to be... I've had intense sorrow as well. As you have. It's life. We're in life. You know, we're doing this. We're, we're, it's part of life. You're going to have sorrow. You're going to have joy. You're going to have happiness. You're going to have like extreme joy. You're going to have extreme sorrow. You're going to have anger. You're going to have fear. All kinds of different emotions. It's the fool that says, don't be emotional, don't be emotional. That's life. You're going to be emotional. Be emotional. Except in your emotions, number one, don't sin. Number two, be before the Lord. Do you know how beautiful it is to be in a state of sorrow? I mean, I'll give you an example. I've been in a state of sorrow state of sadness and I've gone to the shrink this is like 20 some years ago I've gone to the shrink which you know I was a fool but I didn't know at the time I was doing you know what I thought was good a way that seemed right to me but it's the end was the way of destruction I went to the uh, the shrink but not I, there's no comparison whatsoever to go to the Lord in sorrow I can't even compare the two. I, I can't say like, oh, the Lord is better. Because it's like, it's, it's, it's not even a match. It's, it's like saying, it's like comparing a grain of sand to like the sun. You know, it, it, oh, it, the, the sun is brighter than this grain of sand. The sun is bigger than this grain of sand. It, it's like no comparison. I went to the shrink and I went to the Lord. And I tell you the truth, the Lord is better. Far, that's the, the, the sun and the grain of sand. That's the comparison. There is no comparison. You're going to have all kinds of emotion. You're sad? Go to the Lord. You're mad? Go to the Lord. You're afraid? Go to the Lord. You have angst? Go to the Lord. You have joy? Go to the Lord. But I'm joyful. Why do I need to go to the Lord? Just go to the Lord. You see? To be in the presence of the Lord. That's just, I love here so much. Because Moses in verse 15, he's very angry. It's glowing hot. I mean, if you ever, like a crew serve weapon, like a, like a 50 caliber weapon, it's crew serve. It's like one or two guys. And depending on the kind of weapon, it might be three guys. 
but you have to change out the barrels because the barrels that you keep firing rapid fire, you keep firing boom, 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 and it starts to glow. And if it glows, the, the heat of it will mess with the ballistics of the round. It's no longer accurate and you can ruin the weapon. So you have to change up the barrel because it glows white hot. It's like, that's, a mo- I, I, that's what I think about when I read the, in, the, in the Hebrew. It's like glowing white hot with anger. That's how angry Moses is. And it's righteous indignation. And he's, he doesn't sin. His, and he's not like white hot and he starts beating people up. No, he's white hot. He's angry. And he says to the Lord, you see in verse 15, he has oneness with the Lord. He has intimacy with the Lord. And he goes to the Lord and he says, do not respect their offering. Which translates in the Hebrew as turn away from their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. You see what's so beautiful? This claim, Moses is angry. He's white hot, except he goes to the Lord. He doesn't start beating people up. He goes to the Lord. And when he says this to the Lord, I have not taken one donkey from them. I have, I have, hurt, I have not hurt one of them. He has a clear conscience before the Lord. Which means what? There is no validity whatsoever to this claim. That these men have. These men of renown. No validity whatsoever to their claim. Just like I gave that example. You and me standing at the, uh, at the construction site in, in Metropolis. A big hole in the ground. A huge, I meant like, it's deep because they're building a big skyscraper. Their foundation has to be deep. And at the construction site, which is all dirt, they're just getting ready to pour the concrete. There we are, you and me, ground level, just, you know, having a conversation. The guy walks by. You guys, you Christians, you stupid Christians, you think you're so high and mighty, you exalt yourself above me, above, above this, above that. And he hits the button, gets in the escalator, gets in the elevator, hits the button, and he's going down, 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 down. Look, you're exalted above me, you think you're so high and mighty. And you and me, what in the world are you talking about? We're here at ground level. It's his, he's the one that's going down deeper and deeper and deeper. The same happens to the carnal. The same happens to the wicked. Among the carnal and among the wicked, that's their, that's their alignment together. Sometimes they intermingle. The carnal become the wicked. But it's their own debasement. You see? And so Moses, you know, he has a clear conscience before the Lord. Do you remember Paul? His clear conscience before the church in Corinth when he, he says, I'm glad I didn't baptize one of you. I didn't, I'm glad I baptized none of you guys. And he's kind of a little old guy, you know, he, except this guy, except this. And, and he throws in there, I might have done a couple more. I love that so much because I get, as I get older, I lose my mind a little bit. You know, I kind of, I forget. You know, so it's like, oh, yeah, I don't remember if I said that. I don't remember if I baptized. I don't remember. And I, I kind of relate to that. And, you you know, once you hit 40 in your early 40s, once you hit that number, you're going to start to forget. And praise be to the Lord because it's like, wow, you know, the Lord starts his, to humble you because you're not, you're not that rambunctious 20-year-old anymore. You're not that rambunctious whatever age you are anymore. Then you're 50. Your, your bones start to hurt. Then you're 60. You know, your everything hurts. Then you're 70 and you're getting ready to die. 
then you're 80 and you know if you're still alive praise be to the lord but you know most likely you're done and if you're more than that you know praise be to the lord to live is christ to die is gain but moses has a clear conscience i i haven't taken one of their donkeys i haven't hurt any of them and he's angry and he gives it to the lord and moses said to korah so remember so Eliab's kids, uh, uh, Dathan and Abiram, Dathan's kids, they rejected Moses. They rejected Moses. Who is the one who rotted the minds of the kids? Who is the one that corrupted their minds? Who is the one that corrupted their innocence? He says to Korah. You see, it's that example. Remember, I, I tell you, you know, you have your best friend. Someone who's very, very close to you and you love this person. Two peas in a pod. And then person X comes and takes away your best friend who you love. Takes away that person and corrupts them, corrupts their innocence. You might say something to your friend. Hey, come over here, be with me. And then they reject you. And then you say to person X, the source of the corruption. That's what Moses does here. In verse 16, and Moses says to Korah. You see, that's why, you know, we see a lot of craziness happening in the church today. It's, it's indicative. One of, the, one of the many signs of the last days, we see a lot of craziness in the church today. False doctrine, you know, people going on grave soaking, people doing all kinds of wickedness inside the church. And, you know, I could look at the church and that's one thing. But I blame the pastors, the so-called pastors. Because they're not teaching sound doctrine. They're not making a firm stand. Not a firm stand for the sake of being bold, you know. Oh, I want to be bold, I want to be bold, I want to be bold. Everyone says, I want to be bold, I want to be bold, I want to be bold. Okay, that's nice. Be bold. If you want to be bold, what's stopping you? Be bold. Oh, I want to be bold. I want to pray for boldness. <laughs> be bold. What's happening? Pastors, elders. Oh, I want to be bold. I want to be bold. Go for it. Complacency kills. Picture the pastors and elders in Corinth. Oh, I want to be bold for Christ. I want to be bold for Christ. Oh, what's it? You want to have sex with your dad's wife? Go for it. Oh, I want to be bold. I want to be bold. What's happening? It just blows me away so much what's happening. Like the state of the church. And I don't blame the, the, the congregation. I don't blame the sheep. I blame the shepherds, so-called shepherds. I blame the pastors. Just like you see crazy kids, you know, they're kids. What do you expect from kids? Not to, you know, denigrate. If you're young and you're listening, you know, not to denigrate. You. <laughs> but you're a kid, you know. You're 10 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old. You're a kid. You still got, you got a lot of learning left to do. You know, sometimes, you know, it, 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 you get this idea, and you're, if you're young, you know, you get this in your idea in your head. Oh, yeah, you know, I've lived my life. I, I know it all. I know this. I know that. You, you don't. 
plain and simple. You know, I used to, when I was 13, 10, I used to think I knew it all. You know, but to this day, I, I admit, I still don't know it all. We're still, you know, you read the Bible, you're learning, we're growing, we're maturing, and we're moving on to perfection. And it's going to keep happening. When the Lord is done with you, when the Lord is done, He brings you to completion, you know what's going to happen? You're going to die. You're going to, because He's done. You will not be complete until you die. But we still move on to perfection. Completeness is in the presence of the Lord. But you look at crazy kids. You know, disrespectful, disobedient. You know, you see kids bad mouth. You see disrespectful kids. They don't say please. They don't say their thank yous. They're little jerks. They're kids. I don't blame the kids. I mean, the kids, if, if they're like 15, okay, I blame the kids. But not the kids alone. I blame the parents too. If they're 10, surely the parents. 13, surely the parents. 16, 17, the kid and the parent. You see, parents, don't forget, you know, uh, you know, if you're a parent, you know, I love you. But sometimes parents think that they can easily abdicate their God-given responsibility to a church, to a pastor, to an elder, to a youth leader. You can't do that. Remember the alternative the Lord gives to those who cause a little one to go astray. The millstone. That's hardcore. People say, I don't like reading the Old Testament. I don't like to read the Old Testament. It's too harsh. God is too vengeful. I don't like the Old Testament, so I like staying in the New Testament. Okay, let's read the New Testament. Let's read about the millstone. If you want to cause a little one to, to stumble. If you want to cause a little one to go astray. And Jesus is the one who says it's better for that person to take a millstone, a big giant millstone, tie a big rope on it, and tie the other end of the rope around your head, and then take the millstone and throw it into the sea. That's what the Lord says is better. That's hardcore. Oh, that's too, that's too mean-spirited, so I'm not going to read that. You see, that's what's happening in churches today. I know pastors who won't teach the book of Revelation because there's too much judgment. You see? And so in verse 16, And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer, remember it's like a fire pan, and put incense in it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord. 250 censers, both you, remember this is the assembly of the men of Renon, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. And verse 18, it picks up, it's already the next day. And in verse 18, so every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah, this is the blind guide, and this blind guide, Korah, now has a following. I mean, he's had a following before, but now his following is getting more. And this following that he has, it's inside the camp of Israel. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them. Against This is Moses and Aaron. Against Moses and Aaron. All the congregations. So you see in verse 17, you think it's just, oh, I thought it was just 250 censors, 250 people. These men of renown. But now you see there's more. So what was happening during the night? 
What was happening during the night? Did they go and you know spread word to the camp? Go to each tent? Did the 250 break up and say, okay, you know, let's talk to these guys, let's talk to these guys, and then you go to tell the next camp, you tell the next 10 camps, you tell this? So the next morning, in verse 19, Korah gathered all the congregation against them. Wow. Mutiny. I say mutiny, but it's an uprising, this uprising. Very interesting what we see. It's not just the 250, all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Now, this the, the, the men of re, re, renown, this, this group of 250, we see, and not just them. Now we have the, the camp of Israel, the, all the camp of Israel. You see a picture, an Old Testament example of not just blindness that was initiated by Korah. Korah was the ringleader. And it's not just blindness. It's also a deafness as well. Because the Lord is speaking and only Moses and Aaron. They can hear, they have ears to hear. Their intimacy with the Lord is intact. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. This is how it translates in the Hebrew. That I may destroy and finish them in the wink of an eye. That's what he said to Moses and Aaron. He says, Separate yourselves from among this congregation. Step back. I'm going to wipe them out in the wink of an eye. I'm going to finish them. I'm going to destroy them and finish them in the wink of an eye. Moses, Aaron, step aside. That's what the Lord says to Moses and Aaron. And you see the humility of Moses. It's not just Moses alone. You see the humility of Aaron. This is the same Aaron who fashioned the golden calf. Not to bring up the past, but I love that his past of the golden calf is there. Why? Because you see the beauty of repentance. How he repented before the Lord. He's cleansed by the Lord. He's a vessel of the Lord. And now he hears of the Lord. And he learned humility. Because in verse 22, the Lord tells them, you know, I'm going to wipe everybody back. I'm going to finish them in the wink of an eye. Step aside. In verse 22, then they fell on their faces. You see, intercession. Intercession of Moses and Aaron when the entire congregation was against them. You know, people will hate you. You're on fire for the Lord. They will call you a legalist. And in your heart of hearts, you know, all you're doing is obeying the word of God. People say, hey, you know, get high with me, get drunk with me, drink this, take this, you know, let's go to this club, let's go to this, let's do this. It's ladies' night, we're going to do this, do all. And you're just like, look, you do you, and I'm going to obey the Lord. That's, it, there's really, it, it's kind of easy. You know, I shouldn't say it's kind of easy, it's super easy. You've made your choice. And then people will make fun of you. They'll call you stupid, they'll call you a legalist, they'll say, why do you exalt yourself above us? When they're debasing themselves, their frame of reference is shot. And in their, because their frame of reference is shot, because they have no love of truth, now all of a sudden they're off in crazy town. 
just as uh, Dathan and Eliab, uh, 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 Dathan and Abiram, they, they thought that Egypt was the land of milk and honey. Remember? So, so you see a picture of a form of judgment because they had no love of truth. And rather in, in being so angry, like, oh, how dare you say that about me? I'm going to beat you up. And when the Lord says, hey, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to kill them. You know what Moses and Aaron do? In verse 22, they fell on their faces, you see, intercession. And said, oh God, the God of the God of the spirits of all flesh or the God of the wind and breath of all flesh. In the Hebrew, when you look at spirit and wind is one and the same. Uh, 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 ruach in the Hebrew. The God of the spirits of all flesh. Shall one man sin? Remember Korah? He's like the ringleader. Shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? Wow. That's what's so beautiful about the intercession of the godly people, of the righteous. Job did it for his kids. Paul did it for the church. Timothy did it. Remember, there's no one as like-minded as Paul who had sincere care for the souls. And you can do it. For the church, for the lost, for your kids, for your grandkids, for your parents, for your grandparents, you can intercede. Even when they hate you. Even when they call you a legalist. Even when they call you stupid. Even when they think you're a fool. Even when they tell you, you exalt yourself above us. And you seek the face of the Lord. In verse 23, so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now remember verse 3 because those this, this, uh, this cohort of Korah, they, they kept saying, we're holy, we're holy. But who is the one who hears the Lord? Moses and Aaron. And now the Lord speaks to Moses in verse 24. And this is what he says. Speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Wow. Remember the sons of Eliab. Their dad was one of the ones who made an offering in chapter 7, made an offering on behalf of the people, you know, for the benefit of the people. One of the leaders. And you see in the Old Testament and New Testament, it's the exact same thing. In verse 24, when he says, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Remember our study on Sunday? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, where Paul says, not to keep company with anyone named a brother. You see? The Old Testament and New Testament are exactly the same in this regard. Why? Because God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a little refresher course from what we mentioned on Sunday, not to keep company with anyone named a brother. It's not the world. It's the church. Named a brother who is sexually immoral. No period. It's not just, okay, you wanna, you're you a Christian, you want to be sexually immoral? Okay, then I'm not going to keep company with you. There's a comma there, not a period. 
not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, comma, or covetous, or an idolater, idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. You see? In verse 13, at the end, he says, therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. That's inside the church. And that's what we see here in number 16, inside the camp where the Lord says, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Don't forget that judgment comes first in the house of God. What does that mean for you and me today? Get away from the tents of Korah. Get away from the tents of Dathan. Get away from the tents of Abiram. And verse 25, number 16 now. And in verse 25, Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him, and he spoke to the congregation, saying, Remember, so what's happening here in, in verse 17, the Lord says, okay, this cohort of Korah, you come in the morning and, you know, let's come before the Lord. In, in verse 16, tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. So in the night, you know, in verse 18 picks up the very next day, except they're not alone. Because in verse 19 says, Korah gathered all the congregation against them. And so what happened in the night? It wasn't just the 250. Now it's like more. And so, okay, the Lord spoke to Moses and Moses in obedience to the Lord. He In verse 26, and he spoke to the congregation saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men, exclamation points. Touch nothing of their of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. People, oh, Moses, you're such a divider. Look, Moses is dividing the people. No, Moses is a servant. The divider is God. What do you mean? I don't get it. Moses is a servant. He's obedient to the Lord. He's doing exactly what the Lord is telling him to do. Turn with me really quick to Luke chapter 12. In Luke 12, verse 51. The Lord says this, Jesus Christ says this in Luke 12, 51. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. For, for from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Then he also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately, immediately you say, A shower is coming, coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be hot weather. And there it is. Hypocrites! Exclamation point. Hypocrites, he says. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it? How is it? He says. You do not discern this time. You see? Division. Oh, you're so mean-spirited. You're causing division. No, servants don't cause division. The master does. Old Testament and New Testament. 
Let's go back to number 16. So they got away from, in verse 27, so they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. Now, this is, it's sobering. It's incredibly sad. It's sobering. Abiram and Dathan, they heeded Korah. They gave heed and credence to the claims of Korah, and they were corrupted by Korah. And now their families suffer. Their wives, their sons, and their little children, they all suffer. What's what we're about to see here? And it reminds me of the state of the church. When you see wickedness in homes, you go inside homes, have a meal with you know, Christians invite you over for dinner and you go and have a meal and you're unsuspecting. You go in and, you know, hey, how's it going? Then you see, you know, the daughter's involved in witchcraft. She's doing the Ouija boards in her room. You know, the, the son is in his room on his phone doing pornography. Watching the pornography. You're on the couch with the mom and dad, and the mom and dad, oh, yeah, we go to church, everything's good to go, you know. I don't go very much, but yeah, it's it's okay. We learn this, we learn about the love of God, we learn this. It's like, wait a second. Does your pastor not teach you about the occult? Oh, no, 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 we went grave soaking last night. We had a blast, you know, it was a nice fellowship, nice little assembly. Yeah, we went grave soaking, you know. And we had a nice worship service before. We had glitter on the rafters. We called it the Holy Spirit. What? It's rampant. It's all over. It's everywhere you look. And so that's what you see here in this Old Testament passage in verse 27. Dathan, Abiram. It's not just them alone. Because of their heeding of Korah. And because they became corrupt, it trickled into their homes and it trickled into the heart of their families, their wives, their sons, and their little ones, their entire family. Look what happens here. And Moses said, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. For I have not done them. Whoa, you see, remember, it's the Lord who's doing the work. They were saying, Moses, you do this, you say this, you exalt yourself. No. He's obedient. Remember, he's the one who says, you know, at the burning bush, he's the one who, you see the reluctance of Moses at the burning bush. And now we get this far into things. And in chapter 11, verse 11, he says to the Lord, he says, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have you found, why, why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid this burden of all these people on me? In verse 15, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. You see? Moses isn't doing... Moses, I have not done them. I, I, he's not the doer of these things. He's just a vessel. He's obedient. I have not done them of my own will. In verse 29, if these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. So if they live, you know, they live to be old, 
fine. You know, they die. That's a sign that I'm not of the Lord. The Lord hasn't sent me. In verse 30, but if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have rejected the Lord. You see, their rejecting of the servant Moses is rejection of the master. It happened with Moses. We're seeing it happen right here. It happened with Samuel. Remember when Samuel, when the Lord told him, Samuel, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. It happened with Jeremiah. It happened with Ezekiel. It happened with Paul. And it might happen with you too. People hate you. They reject you. They call you names. They call you a legalist. They say, you exalt yourself or you think you're better than us. No, they're debasing themselves by their own choices. And all you're doing, all you're doing is being obedient to the Lord, yielding to His Word, yielding to His Spirit. That's all you're doing. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Lord. And people have been rejecting God for a long time. And even still, through it all, Old Testament and New Testament, He is still long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Just like the heart of Moses and Aaron. When they hated them, what did they do? They interceded. The Lord says, hey, step aside. I'm going to wipe them out. They interceded. He said, Lord, don't do this. When they hate you, you can intercede for them. Your haters. The ones who call you a legalist. The ones who call you stupid. The ones who say you're crazy. The ones who say you lost your mind. The ones who say that you exalt yourself above, this, above us. You can intercede for them. Now you intercede for them. It's not to say judgment is not coming. But you still intercede for them. And you pray, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord. But bring them to safe place. Bring them to safe passage. And the Lord will do His way. You know, you don't control the Lord. You can plead unto the Lord. Request of the Lord. But the Lord knows the hearts. The Lord might relent or the Lord might continue with the course of judgment. Remember, judgment begins in the house of the Lord, the house of God, churches. You know, for the, the last days, it is prophesied for apostasy to be in the church. The large majority will be a false church or apostate church. That's the large majority. Not so with the remnant. The remnant will be purified. But you still intercede. And in so doing, you know what happens to your heart? It stays nice and soft. Nice and soft before the Lord. When the hardness of hearts is growing and multitudes of people, their hearts are getting harder and harder and harder as love waxes cold as prophesied. Your heart stays nice and soft before the Lord. And He sees you. Just like He saw Ezekiel. Just like he saw Jeremiah. Just like he saw Elijah. Just as those in the household of Chloe. 
in verse 31. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking the, all these words. So right when he was done. So verse 30, remember, he, uh, if, in verse 30, if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Boom. And it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them. So he finished. He says, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Boom. The earth starts to rip open. In verse 32, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up. Whoa. Remember, Dathan and Abiram, they were at the door of their tents, not alone, with their wives, their kids, and their little ones. And the earth opened and swallowed them up with their households. And all the men with Korah, with all their goods. You see, this is judgment in the camp of Israel. And today in the church, you know what we're seeing? We're seeing sinkholes start to open up in the church. These big sinkholes. I mean, you you, some, you read these passages, you know, and you, come on. I mean, you talk to a non-believer, or maybe you're like a a, a, a young believer, and you read it. Oh, I believe science, you know. This can't happen. Look at, Google it. Go, go online. Look at the sinkholes. A guy who died, he was sleeping in his bed. The sinkhole opened up. It swallowed up his house. He's gone, died. You see it happening. I mean, do you, do you, in order to believe these passages, do you need to see? When Jesus Christ says, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Exercise your faith, my friend. Exercise your faith. The earth opened up. A big sinkhole opened up. And swallowed them up with their households. It's not just the men. It's not just Dathan and Abiram alone. No, their families suffer. Their families pay a price. You see? That's why you hear me say, you know, you know, yes, wives, submit to your own husbands. It's beautiful when your husband is submitting to the, the Lord of the Lord, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But your husband is going off into crazy town. Your husband says, Hey baby, let's go grave soaking tonight. You say, No way. No way. Okay, I'm going to take the kids grave soaking with me. No way. Not on my watch. No, you submit to Jesus Christ. You see? Because look what happens. You have these wives. Oh, I'm going to submit to my husband. I'm going to submit to my husband. The husband gets crazy, goes off into crazy town. Starts being twisted by Korah. Twisted by Korah and all of a sudden is caught up in these lies of Korah. The deception of Korah, the corruption of Korah, and the wife. Oh, I'm gonna submit to my husband. I'm gonna submit to my husband. And they're at the house. They're at the tent. The, the, the doorway of their household. Boom! The earth opens up. They die. All of them. They die. You're seeing sinkholes open up in the church today. And what are we told in Scripture? Get away from the tents of Korah. Dathan and Abiram, get away from their tents. Just as Paul says to Christians, 
to Christians not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. It's a New Testament example of what we're seeing in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is an example of what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. And also in verse 13, therefore put away from yourself from yourselves the evil person. Oh, you're so mean-spirited. You're dividing. You're dividing. No, servants don't divide. The master divides. You see? Verse 33, so they all so they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. You see? The earth. And the, the earth closed over them. And they perished from among the assembly. You see? Turn with me really quick to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. A little picture of the last days. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. You know, it blows me away so much how this spirit of Antichrist, led by Satan, it's going into the world. And what you're starting to, you hear me say, sinkholes are opening up in the church. Because there are people who I once considered strongholds in the church, people who I once considered bulwarks in the church, are now buying into the lies of the Pope. Buying into the lies that emanate from Rome. Buying into the corruption that emanates from the seven hills. The beast from the earth. As prophesied. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. The love of the truth. Truth hurts. You don't need me to tell you that. Truth hurts. Truth is pain. Look at the passages we're reading today. The truth of God's holy word. And these are very painful passages just like they were painful passages on Sunday. Truth hurts. It's painful. But the less carnal you get, the less hurtful truth will be. The more spiritual you get, the more beautiful truth will be. Why? Because the Lord is changing your heart. You're being transformed. Transformed into a new creation. If you let him. Remember? I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And if you hear me, I will come in and sup with you. He says that to the church. Why is the Lord Jesus Christ on the outside of the church? Why does he need to knock when he should be right there inside? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. That they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, 
but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Very interesting what is written about the last days. And it is coming. As surely as the Lord lives, it is coming. And it's happening now, these days of deception. It's happening now. This moving on towards the apostasy inside the church. A defection away from truth. Let's go back to number 16. In verse 33, So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. This is, happen- this is like happening as New Covenant believers. This is happening because there's no love of the truth. You see, these sinkhole- sinkholes are opening in the church. But when, don't forget Egypt too, because when this darkness, when the plagues befell Egypt, don't forget that there was light in Goshen. What does that say to you and me? Store your oil. Now is the time. Store your oil. You must. Because the days are getting darker and darker and darker and darker and you have a choice. I say store your oil. In verse 34, Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry. Translates at their yelling and crying and crackling. If you've ever heard the sound of death, it's not a pretty sound. It's very sobering, it's very sad, it's very sorrowful. If you ever hear the sound of death, the moaning and groaning groaning of a person who's dying. And that's what they hear. Little kids, little ones. The tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, their wives, their sons, their kids. And you hear their cry. The sound of death. And all Israel, verse 34, who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Wow, so you see this judgment is on the men of renown. Verse 3, remember verse 3? They said, we're holy. We're holy. All the congregation is holy. We're good to go. You know, everything's fine. We're of the elect. And now they're dead. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest to pick up the censers out of the blaze for they are holy. So now you see these vessels, these 250 vessels, these censers. They were cleansed and refined in the fire. And the Lord is saying, Tell Eleazar the son of the priest of Aaron the priest to pick the censers out of the blaze for they are holy. And scatter the fire some distance away. Remember, it's not just fire. I mean, it's fire. But do you know what's burning? It's the bodies of the men of renown. These respectable men. Respectable men. The, uh, the 250 leaders of the congregation. In verse 2, representatives of the congregation. Men of renown. Men of honor. Men of authority. And here they are. Embers. They said, we're holy, we're, we're of the elect, we're leaders. You exalt yourself, Moses. And now, in verse 37, they're embers. 
And the Lord is saying, hey, tell Eleazar to use the censers to, 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 to move them, scatter the fire some distance away. In verse 38, the censers of these men who sinned against their own souls. They sin against their own souls. How? By the choices they made. Instead of saying, oh, Korah, you're crazy. Get out of here. They said, hmm, they lent ear to Korah. Hmm, let me see what this Korah has to say. Instead of separating from Korah. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, God is love. We're of the elect. God is love. I'm just going to love on you and let God take care of the rest. That's what the pastors and elders in Corinth did. You, you want to have sex with your dad's wife? Eh, go ahead. You know, God is love. I'm just going to love on you. Let God take care of the rest. God took care of the rest. But he used the vessels that remained righteous. He used the vessels that feared him and loved him. Those in the household of, Corey, of Chloe who wrote a letter to Paul. And he uses Paul to say, hey, your rejoicing isn't good. There's sin in the camp. There's leaven in the camp. Take this guy and get him out of the church. Commit him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. You see? And so here in verse 37, in verse 38, the censors of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be made into hammered plates or hammered sheets as a covering for the altar. So these these censors, now they have to be pounded out and they're, they're turned into sheets. And it says here in verse 38, because they presented them before the Lord, therefore they are holy and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So before there's no covering on the altar, no covering. Now you see the covering and it's so that they can remember. It's a sign to the, to the children of Israel. So before, if we were to go back in time, and before chapter 16, if we go back in time to a different chapter and we're back in time and you see a person make an offering, you see no covering on the altar, no sheet covering on the altar. But then we get here in the chapter, say it's after chapter 16. From this point on, now you see a covering on the altar and it's a sign to remember. Wow, I remember what happened with Korah. I remember what happened to Dathan and Eliab or Dathan and uh, Biram, and their wives and their kids. I remember what happened. Wow, the kids paid a heavy price because of their dad. Wow, the wives paid a heavy price because of their husband. Dead, all dead. The people heard their cry. I remember hearing their cry. The sound of death of the child, the death of the mother, the death of this, the death of the grandparent, the all because of corruption, the corruption of Korah. And instead of saying, Korah, get out of here, you're crazy. They lent ear to Korah and says, hey, Korah, you're right. Hey, Korah, you're right. They were corrupted. And they corrupted themselves. They sinned against their own souls in verse 38 says. And it's a sign so that they can remember and not forget. In verse 39, so Eliezer the priest took the bronze censers, which those who were burned up had presented, and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial, to be a reminder is how it translates, to be a record is how it translates to the children of Israel. That no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not 
become like Korah and his companions, just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. So you see what's happening here. You see a picture of what has happened. Pride, yes. But this pride further led to disobedience. Because the Kohanim are the Kohanim. There's the Levites, which, you know, they work in the tabernacle. But the Levites are not Kohanim. The Kohanim are the, the lineage that are, are groomed to be the high priest. They have a separate capacity. They serve in a separate capacity. That's the Kohanim. Remember verse 10? Where Moses asked the question, "Are and are you seeking the priesthood also? Are you speak? Are you seeking the kehuna also? Do you want to be? Are you seeking to be kohanim? When they weren't even kohanim, they were Levites. Disobedience. Now you see how this corruption of Korah." How pride becomes a foothold, can be a foothold of evil things. Satan knows it. Hopefully you know it. I pray we're learning it. But that's what happens with pride. It becomes a foothold of Satan. It becomes a foothold of demonic things, of evil things. Pride. Now, so you see the Levites is one thing, but then at the same time you see uh, 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 a Dathan and Abiram. They were kids of Eliab. Their dad was Eliab. In chapter 7, verse 24, you see their dad was Eliab. But then at the same time, Eliab was of the tribe of Zebulun. You see, Disobedience. Nothing is aligning with what God ordered. Remember, we serve a God of order. Nothing is aligning. You have uh, uh, of the tribe of Zebulun, but then you have uh, they, they want to be. You have Levites, but then they want to be Kohanim. Like, what in the world is happening here? And you see how Korah comes in. Hey, those in the tribe of Zebulun. Hey, uh, 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 Levites, come here. Moses, Aaron, they think they're big shots. You can do that too. Look, all they do is this. They, they just take this sensor, they put it here, they do this. That's all they do. They just put it here. Oh, I can do that too. Maybe I can be the high priest. Maybe I can be Kohanim. No, that's not what the Word of God says. That's not what the Lord ordered. That's not, how, that's not His uh, modus operandi. That's not his, the way He, uh, what He said to do. Disalignment from Scripture, disalignment from the Word of God. And now they're dead. Now they're embers. Some are embers. The others are sw dead, swallowed up in the earth. Oh, that's so mean-spirited. You're so mean. I, I, I don't like you anymore. Oh, by the way, I'm going to go grave-soaking tonight. Same exact thing. No alignment with the Word of God. You see? Sinkholes in the church. 
And so look what happens here. So you see this uh, disobedience. You see, it's revealed as the, these things, these events, these series events come to its culmination, come to its end. You see, disobedience. Holiness. Holiness dies out through disobedience. That's how holiness dies. Disobedience. Oh, but I'm a born-again Christian. Praise be to the Lord. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. How long have you been a Christian? Three days. I'm so on fire for the Lord. Praise the Lord. Two weeks later. Oh, I need help, brother. You know what? I want to go to the strip club tonight. Oh, I, I need help, sister. You know, I, I, I want to get high tonight. I, I got high last night, I, I, you know. That's what's happening. Carnality in the church. That's how holiness dies through disobedience. I mean, we read about it in Hebrews 6, the re-crucification of Jesus, the re-crucification of Christ. It can't be done. We are to move on to perfection. Arrested development, just as we see in the church in Corinth. That's not good because babies stay babies. And it's the doorway into greater and deeper things because, I mean, look at the disobedience that was in the church. Where Paul had to say, take this guy and get him out of the church because he's leaven. A little leaven leavens the bunch. Commit such a brother to Satan. Commit such a one to Satan. That's what he says. For the destruction of the flesh. You see? Oh, that's so mean-spirited. It is truth. It is truth. And so look what happens here. In verse 41, On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, murmured and complained. On the next day, you know, not a week later, not a month later, the very next day they complained, more murmuring and complaining. Saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. Now, me personally, I don't like drama. I, I just don't like drama. I think it's kind of humorous too because the Lord says, okay, you don't like drama? Here, I'm going to give you all kinds of drama. Look, the very next day the people start to murmur and complain against Moses and Aaron. You have killed the people of the Lord. Now, we know because we read this, we see what's happening. We see the disobedience. You see of the, the Zebulun Levites, they want to be Kohanim. And it, it, nothing is aligning with the, You see the pride of the 250. You see their arrogance. You see they said all the congregation is holy. All the congregation. That's what they said in verse 3. And the people, they don't know what's happening. We have an inside look of what's happening. But the people, they don't know. They just know, okay, the earth split. They took these people and, you know, the, now these 250 people, they're embers. They're burning outside the city, out, outside the camp. And the next day they murmur and complain. You have killed the people of the Lord. Unbeknownst to them, we didn't see, they, they, they didn't see their disobedience. They're the people of the Lord. 
Now it happened in verse 42, when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron, that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Translates again the exact same way, that I may destroy and finish them in the wink of an eye. And he says to Moses, Step aside, get away from them. And again, and they fell on their faces. Wow, intercession. They fell on their faces, Moses and Aaron. How beautiful is this? You see their hearts of humility before the Lord. On behalf of the people who murmured and complained against them, saying you have killed the people of the Lord, but they don't have the clear picture of what's happening. And they intercede for the people. They fall on their faces before, uh, before the Lord. In verse 46, so Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it and take it quickly without haste. Take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Moses says this quickly, do this quickly. I mean, picture what's happening here. The people are angry. You killed the people of the Lord. They start to murmur and complain against Moses. Moses and Aaron, they get on their face before the Lord. All of a sudden, Moses pops up quickly and it speaks super fast to Aaron. Take a censer and put fire on the altar and the incense on it. Take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has come down from the, come, gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Hurry, without haze, do this. Go now. You see, Moses and Aaron are a covering. They're being used as a covering, interceding for an unsuspecting people because God's plague has begun. When Aaron took it as Moses commanded uh, and ran into the midst of the assembly. So it's a quick operation that's happening here. It's happening very fast. Moses says, go, go, do this. Go, go, go. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put, it, put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. You see, intercession. Intercession. He made atonement for the people. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. So now there's even more. You look at those, you know, the, when the, the earth opened up and swallowed up one bunch, and then, you know, the, the, the men of renown, the respectable people, they're now embers, smoking, burning outside the camp. And now you have the plague that comes inside the camp. It's the plague of the Lord, the wrath of God, the plague, it's coming inside the camp. And then you see intercession of Moses and Aaron. Quickly, Aaron, quickly. He stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped in verse 48. In verse 49, now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for the plague had stopped. Now you see Moses as a type of Christ. And Aaron also as a type of Christ because he's high priest. But we know that the high priest in the order of Melchizedek 
And we have oneness with Him, intimacy with Him, Jesus Christ. A shadow of the things to come. And there is salvation in no other, only Jesus Christ. You, me, we make a choice. Abide in Him. No period. Abide in me is what He said. Abide in me and I in you. It's intimacy with Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. The high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, we're not at the enclosing part. Well, we weren't there, but now we are. In closing, I have a special message for young people. When I say young, if you're listening and you are 8 years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, 15, 17. Now, if you're like 17, 18, stop considering yourself as, you know, a youngster. Let's move on to perfection. Okay? A special special message I have for young people. You know, teenagers, even maybe even younger, if you can comprehend what I'm saying. And I want you to do something while I say something to your parents if you're listening. For you young people, grab a pen and paper. Pencil and paper, just a writing utensil, okay? Or I guess nowadays kids do things, a note on their phone. So do something where you can record something, where you can write stuff down. Pen and paper, if you're old school, if you're new school, your phone. Now for parents, I have something I have to say to you. I love you, okay? If you're a parent, you know, mom, dad, I love you. I'm going to say some things to the younger generation that might be hard-hitting and, and hard-hitting towards you. It's not, I, don't, I don't want to come off that way. But it's to exhort the younger generation and exhortation to, for the younger generation. So that's my little disclaimer for the old people or older, the parents. Okay, so now the kids. If you're 8 years old, 10 years old, 12, 13. You're not defined by your parents. I don't care if you're male, female. I really don't care. I care that you're in Christ. You're not defined by your parents. If I were to have kids, you know, I have an abundance of sin in my past. And I would tell them, you know, if I had a son or daughter, you know, son, baby girl, you know, don't do this because this is what I did. And I don't want that to happen to you. This is what the Lord did. And he messed me up. I don't want that to happen to you. For you younger generation. You're not defined by your parents. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Not just right here and now, but until you take your last breath. Have comfort in Him. We look at these, you know, you hear me talking, not just you hear me talk, you hear it mentioned here in this passage, the sin of Korah. But I have something, I want you to write some stuff down. Turn with me to the Psalms. And let's go to Psalm 42. And I want you to write down on your, you know, Pen and pencil, pen, pen and paper, pencil, paper, or, you know, your iPad, iPhone, whatever, your phone. Write this down. Psalm 42. Just write that down. Psalm 42. 
Very rarely do I give like assignments, but today I'm giving an assignment, if you're willing. Today I'm giving an assignment. This is only for the young people, the younger generation. If you're 8, 10, 12, 15, 17, if you can comprehend, I mean, you might be like 5 and you comprehend, you know, that's pretty, you know, praise the Lord. But if you can comprehend these words, I have to tell you, you're not defined by your parents. Now, parents, I love you. This isn't to hurt your feelings at all. This is to exhort your kids and train them up in the way they should go to add to what you're already doing. Now, for you younger generation, write down Psalm 42. This is a reading assignment, a homework assignment for you. Why? Because in Psalm 42, to the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. See? The great, great, great wickedness of Korah. The damage and the harm that he caused in the camp of Israel. The great damage, the great harm he caused in the, in the homes. The, to the husbands, to the wives, to the children, to the little ones. To a great, great, great harm. He's like, wow, Korah, how dare this person. But look at the next generation. This is the next generation that passed into the promised land. Psalm 42. Write this down, young one. Just write down Psalm 42. That's going to be your reading assignment, your homework assignment. Because in Psalm 42, we see to the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. We're not done. Also write down Psalm 44. Psalm 44. To the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah, the ones who passed into the promised land, the next generation, they weren't defined by the sins of Korah. They made their own choice. They honored the Lord. They learned the fear of the Lord. They learned the love of the Lord. They learned to honor Him. And that's why I say to you young people, you're not defined by your parents. Good, bad, ugly, you're not defined by your parents. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Never, ever, ever forget that. We're not done. Psalm 45, write that down. To the chief musician, set to the lilies, a contemplation of the sons of Korah, a song of love. Write that down, Psalm 45. These are your reading assignments. Until we meet again, these are your reading assignments. One more. Psalm 46. To the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a song for Alamoth. This is, Alamoth is, uh, it, it translates as it, it's, it's supposed to be sung in a female voice or a soprano. If, if you're into choir, this is like a soprano. Psalm 46, to the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a song for Alamoth. These are your reading assignments. These psalms that I give you, the whole chapter. You know, chapter 42, uh, Psalm 42, Psalm 44, Psalm 45, Psalm 46. Because what I want you to understand is this great wicked sin of Korah. But his, the, the generation after him were not defined by Korah because they had their own choice to make. 
the same way you have your own choice to make. Because you know what I see with a lot of the younger generation? They love the Lord at age 10. They love the Lord at age 13. They love the Lord at, the Lord at age 16. They love the Lord at age 17. But boom, as soon as they're 18, they're out and they're, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. You see? You have your choice to make. Young one. We're not done. I said one more, but there's more. Psalm 47, write that down, Psalm 47. To the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Psalm 48, a song. A psalm of the sons of Korah. Write that down, Psalm 47, Psalm 48. A little bit more. Psalm 49, write that down. To the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Now, turn with me to Psalm 84. This is a special assignment for the younger generation. Psalm 84. Write that down. To the chief musician on an instrument of Gath, or on an instrument of Gath, I say on, but because I get confused sometimes with the name on, on. To the chief musician on an instrument of Gath, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Never ever forget this rebellion that we study in number 16 because it is wickedness in the camp of Israel. Wicked, 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 wicked. Great, great, great harm was caused in the camp of Israel. But this next generation, they were not defined by the older generation. Their identity was in Christ, the shadow of the things to come, the Messiah. We're not done. Psalm 85, write that down. To the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Psalm 87, write that down. A psalm of the sons of Korah. A psalm. And the last one, Psalm 88, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the chief musician set to Mahalath Leonath, a contemplation of Heman the Ezraite. Ezraite, Psalm 88, that's the last one. All these psalms are written by the sons of Korah. You see? The next generation, the previous generation, wicked, 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 wicked. But this next generation, they made their choice to honor, to love, and to fear the Lord. The same way you have your choice to make for yourself, for your soul. You see? God bless you, beautiful people of the way. Love you guys.